I'm doing some webinar or something next month and the guy was looking at my setup and he's like, hey, your screen is terrible. You need to like do something about it. So I'm back in the office and I have your wipes here and I was able to use it. How many months have I been telling you that? I put the wipes on your desk like four or five months ago. I use them sparingly. I've used one. I've got three more and I can use one every quarter and then I will have (laughs) a clean screen for the year. I haven't seen you in years. Suddenly you wipe off the webcam. And it's like, I can see clearly now, the schmutz is gone. Hi, and welcome to GeekWire. I'm GeekWire co-founder, Todd Bishop. And I'm GeekWire co-founder, John Cook. We are coming to you from Seattle, where we get to report each day on what's happening around us in tech, science, and innovation. What happens here matters everywhere. And every week on this show, we get to cover some of the biggest stories on our beats, which right now, at least for me, John, I'm fresh off the Amazon earnings call for their holiday quarter. They just reported this here on Thursday afternoon, and it was a pretty fascinating report. So I I know we want to start with that before getting into toilet paper later on, you know, from from the earnings to the toilet paper. Is that the spectrum here on this week's show? Sure. We can cover it all. (laughs) So I know you tuned into Amazon as well, John, and the prime increase from $119 a year to $139 a year is definitely the most interesting story for readers based on the traffic that we're seeing. I don't think that's the most interesting story for you, though. What what stood out? Well, I want to ask if it's for you because you're a big Prime user. Are you going to stop uh, using Prime now because they boosted it by 20 bucks, Or you'd probably pay 500 bucks a year. What's your What's your ceiling? What's my ceiling? Yes, I believe that what you're asking me is, what is my price elasticity of demand to get a little business nerd? (laughs) Glad you studied economics in college, Todd. I took one class at Chico State. So anyway, I would probably pay quite a bit more. I don't know how much more, but- I bet you'd pay $3.99 a year. I probably would. Would you pay $4.99? You know, I had an experience last Friday that really illustrates just how much Prime has impacted my life and I think impacted the economy if you extend it out to everybody else. My wife's drill broke and I was trying to essentially put up a monitor arm into the stud in my office so that my monitor wouldn't shake anymore. Hey, look at this. Do you see? My monitor's not shaking anymore. Anyway. Awesome. Between that and my new screen wipe that I used, you know, <laughs> exactly. we're really making some progress wow. here. Yeah, we're, we're on it. So, you know, Limbach Lumber, John, is two, three blocks away. Nice family-owned hardware store, lots of things. I'm sure they've got a drill down there if I had gone down and gotten it. My wife said, you know what? She wanted a specific one, nice and light, cordless. And I was like, you know what? They're not going to have it. I ordered it at about two in the afternoon. On Friday, it was here. I think it was here by six. That that level of convenience is just insane. That is very, very telling. I mean, that you won't even walk two to three blocks. Because, I mean, you live in an urban area. You won't even walk a few blocks where you where there, it's a fantastic lumber store yes. or, and, and hardware store. And you won't even do that. Now, imagine if you're in, you know, the outskirts of Nebraska or right. something. <laughs> How much more important? Prime is and delivery is for you or Amazon just as a service. And not only that, but what you're seeing is 
obviously we're in a unique situation here right now in an urban area, but Amazon is increasingly putting these delivery stations in rural parts of the country. And so they're starting to have something similar in terms of their experience. It's not quite on this level yet in terms of same day, but it's certainly in many cases one day. And this really plays into Amazon's earnings because you saw them spend about $4 billion more than they otherwise would have to make up for labor shortages, to make up for supply chain constraints, inflation in terms of the amounts that they pay for those things. And that allowed them to maintain, for the most part, these rapid delivery times, even though the rest of the economy is basically struggling. And then if I could just take it one step further, they're basically subsidizing all of those costs through Amazon Web Services. Because if not for Amazon Web Services, Amazon would have posted about a $1.8 billion operating loss for the quarter. I almost owe the ability to get that drill within a few hours to Amazon Web Services, if you follow that chain. I did. I, did. I mean, this is the thing that I just want to step back for a moment yeah, here, yeah. because the thing that is crazy to me, and I don't cover Amazon as closely as you do, but just listening in a little bit on the earnings call, reading through the financial release. The thing that I stepped back and said to myself is like listening to the call and reading their financial statement and looking at everything they're doing. It's really a microcosm of the entire economy. It's its own weather system. You know, it's like, it's like you want to know about logistics. Uh, you want to know about labor issues. You want to know about inflation. You, I mean, investments and in innovation and in tech, you know, with AWS and cloud, of course, retail. It's like, you can listen into this call and like get nuggets and pieces of what's going on across everything going on in the economy. It's its own economy, really. And the earnings announcement and press release they sent over, it was so long, it didn't even fit in my email client. I had to do the expand more to like keep <laughs> reading because, I mean, look at the crap in there. It's ridiculous how much stuff is in there. Now, I think they are making a mistake by throwing everything in there. I mean, they're talking about Fire TV and Ring and AWS and employees and all the new employee benefits and AWS Amplify Studio. It is the kitchen sink. And I'm not sure, why are they doing that? Like, don't they want to like say they're a smaller company right now, not this thing that does everything? So anyway, it's just wow. a couple bigger picture thoughts as I read through and, and looked at looked at their earnings announcement. First off, I don't think they're their own climate or their own weather system. I think they're their own planet is what you're trying to say. This is Amazon's world and we're all living in it here in some ways. To your point on the length of the earnings announcement, I agree with you. And frankly, I think it's a sign of corporate dysfunction where they're not making the hard decisions to say, this is actually the priority. I think they need to Axios that thing, man. <laughs> Smart brevity, baby. Yeah. This is, uh, it's too much. Agreed. Because you have a hard time figuring out what's actually important. Now, what you end up doing in lieu of that is reading Andy Jassy's quotes I always skip the quotes. Okay. So that to me is one interesting detail of Amazon press releases. I think in lieu of making hard decisions about the rest of it, they put what's actually important into the CEO quote. And it's typically a piece of fluff at the beginning 
a shout out to partners or customers or employees that really doesn't matter, but is some kind of symbolic gesture. Yeah. A big thank you to employees across Amazon yes. who overcame another quarter of COVID related challenges and delivered for com- customers this holiday season. That's how it starts. That's how it starts. And so if you don't follow them closely, you think, oh, it's the same old corporate BS that you would typically get from from these kinds of reports. But he gets into some more meat here. I'm, I'm looking for the press release. Don't make me keep reading. It's too long. <laughs> yes. After the name, maybe this is the key. You go to the point right after the attribution, said Andy Jassy, Amazon CEO. Then he gets into what really matters. As expected over the holidays, we saw higher costs driven by labor, supply shortages, and inflationary pressures. And these issues persisted into the first quarter due to Omicron. I think that is interesting. And and listening to the call, it came up when some of the financial analysts were asking questions just about the labor issue, which again, how Amazon is kind of a, a, a microcosm for the rest of the economy. I mean, this is a huge story in the United States in terms of the labor shortage, the great resignation. And Amazon is struggling here. They think things are getting better. They're saying as we're going into Q1, it's getting better. But they wanted to hire 150,000 employees in the fourth quarter, which is insane to begin with, but they were only able to add 140,000. But the thing that they're faced with is, and where they've been pinched, and a lot of companies have been pinched by Omicron is, as their CFO was saying, they're basically having to pay people while they're on leave. And then for the existing workforce, because they have more work to do, they're having to pay those people overtime. So they're paying these people that are on leave and the people that are still that are still healthy that are able to work in the fulfillment centers, they're paying them overtime. But they say, and maybe this is a bright sign, they say it's getting better. But we'll see. A couple things on that. First off, if you look at their overall employees, this is full and part-time. This is not contractors and temporary workers. So this is not seasonal. During the fourth quarter at the end, they were at about 1.6 million employees. That was up from 1.46 million the prior quarter, and it was up 24% year over year if you go back to the fourth quarter of 2020. And correct me if I'm wrong, but I think I saw a statistic that said it's up about 800,000. It's it's almost doubled in two years. Yes, that's about right. Which is crazy, crazy to think about. So here you have these labor constraints in the economy, and you're saying they didn't hire as much as they wanted to, but then you look at what they actually were able to hire, and it's crazy. Well, and then you add on top of that the the amount of employees they churn through too, right? Uh, which isn't factored here, and it's even more people that they're bringing into their universe. So I don't know how they're doing it. I've said it before on the podcast that I think this is a great risk to them. That and you know we've talked in the past, and there there's been some great reporting. I think it was by the New York Times in terms of the broken HR system, which. How can't you have a broken HR system if you're bringing on 800,000 plus people in a two-year span? So anyway, it's it's crazy. There's so, many, there's so many crazy data points. We talk about this a lot, Todd, when when we go over their earnings. And every time I'm kind of equally kind of excited and amazed and- Mystified. Mystified, yeah, yeah really. As you said, John, they did express some optimism that they're getting out of this mode of- excess spending in terms of the pandemic, which to your point, I think signals some optimism for the rest of us that perhaps the economy and all of us are getting to the point where we're not going to be impacted in an extraordinary way by the pandemic, maybe a year from now or something like that. And 
I think over time you'll see that AWS anomaly that I was talking about where Amazon Web Services essentially covers the losses of the rest of the company. I think that'll go away. I think they'll get back to the point where their consumer business is profitable again and it's temporary. But it's still, it's fascinating that you can just kind of lean on this cloud division to still post a profit, even though you're spending like mad so much that you've got this crazy loss. It's one of the most remarkable organizations in human history, like right up there with the Roman empire and, you know, going back, I don't know, I, John, you're the history major. Like what, what, what should I be comparing this to in the annals of the world? Uh, modern Josh, <laughs> Roman Empire, yeah, <laughs> Great Britain's colonization of the planet, yeah, yeah. Um, it's remarkable. So with AWS, it's just crazy to look at their revenue growth for the fourth quarter. It was from twelve point seven billion to seventeen point seven billion for the year. It was from forty five point three billion in twenty twenty to sixty two point two billion in twenty twenty one. It's a giant company in its own right. Fast growing. It's an amazing juggernaut. But Todd, I sent you an email and I'm not sure if you saw it, the chart that an analyst firm put together showing the chart of Microsoft share and in the cloud and how they're starting to catch up, which that's interesting to watch. Amazon is kind of being consistent in their growth or growing their share modestly, but Microsoft is, is taking a lot of the new share and the cloud market is just growing so rapidly, especially with the digital transformation of the last two years. And they talked about this in the Amazon earnings call. It's just like, I mean, this, the pandemic has sped up everybody's transition to digital and that's a boom for all these cloud companies. But it seems like Microsoft might be winning more of that new business that's coming in versus Amazon, which has been historically dominant. So it's, that's going to be an interesting one to watch too. Speaking of Microsoft and Amazon and the cloud, let's talk next about the big hire that Microsoft made, Charlie Bell from Amazon, and what we know now about what he'll be doing at Microsoft. That's coming up next. You're listening to GeekWire. Technology moves fast. I need to move faster. WGU's competency-based education puts me in control of how fast I move through my IT degree program. I can accelerate my program by applying what I already know to my courses and focusing on the things I need to learn. Earn a respected accredited degree that propels your career in the IT field. Learn more at wgu.edu backslash IT certs included. Welcome back. It's Todd Bishop with John Cook. We're talking about Amazon earnings in the cloud and Microsoft This week, we published a profile, really, of Charlie Bell, the longtime former Amazon Web Services leader who moved to Microsoft just about four months ago. There was a big fight between the companies, at least behind the scenes, over what he would end up doing at Microsoft because of his non-competition agreement. But he is essentially going to be leading this big new security effort at Microsoft. And he really looks at it, in, in his own words, as one of the greatest challenges of our time to solve the security problem, if it can be solved, and get us from what he calls digital medievalism to digital civilization. And this is what Charlie Bell is going to be doing in this new role, leading a 10,000-person security engineering organization. Todd, it was a great piece. It's, it's not only a great look at 
Charlie Bell and his career and him coming into this very challenging role. But the thing that stood out to me throughout this piece, which I encourage everybody to read, was this. It's not a dilemma. It's a uh, tension. It's, it's a it's a tension or, or kind of playing both sides of the fence at Microsoft where they're both the creator of a lot of the holes that uh, hackers exploit in order to create cybersecurity challenges. And yet at the same time, they're planning to grow this massive business to try to patch up other people's cyber problems. And I thought that was a really an interesting component of the story. Todd, the quote that I love from the story, it's from uh, Ryan Kalember from Proofpoint. I don't know if I'm pronouncing his name properly, but I think this just summarized it perfectly. He said, with one hand, the company ships vulnerabilities and hosts malware, and with the other, it charges to protect users from those same vulnerabilities and threats. Microsoft is the arsonist, the fire department, and the building inspector all rolled into one. What a great quote, but I, it just really summarized this interesting position that Microsoft is in. But hey, what's the backstory on it? So I can tell you, you like that quote a lot better than Microsoft does. <laughs> <laughs> Did you hear feedback from them that they didn't like uh, that component of the story? I'll just say Proofpoint is a Microsoft competitor. So obviously it has an interest in pointing out the dual-sided, double-sided nature of what Microsoft is doing here. The competitors are not the only ones pointing that out. An analyst asked Satya Nadella about this on Microsoft's earnings call last week. How can Microsoft justify this question of responsibility versus revenue? How can they, on the one hand, keep shipping and continue to need to patch more than 100 Windows security flaws in January, as one example, and at the same time, be growing a $15 billion annual business in security technology and Microsoft's answer is, hey, they are doing their best on the flaws. And at the same time, they feel like they are doing a service to the people who would use their advanced security tools to secure their activity, not only on Microsoft's products, but also everywhere else on the internet. And by the way, there are a lot of bad people out there doing a lot of bad things. And this is, as Microsoft calls it, an asymmetric battle. They're fighting this potentially unwinnable war. And that's what they're bringing Charlie Bell in to try to fix. Part of it, however, is also this idea that Microsoft's culture, I think, is one that historically, and I think it has changed a lot, but I think historically it was ship it, get it out there, not you worry about the customer problems, maybe secondary. Unlike an Amazon where, you know, customers, you know, you're not having customers complain that there are problems or holes in software or anything dealing with it. And at some point they catch up to you and they bite you in the butt, right? Amazon Web Services certainly has its security problems as well. S3 storage buckets. There's all sorts of issues with all sorts of companies. Security vulnerabilities are not unique to Microsoft, although the scale is in part because of the scale of Microsoft's presence in our lives and businesses. And part of the issue too, is that the PC market has seen this huge resurgence. And so where in part, you might have seen Microsoft's influence fading. It's hung on and become even more relevant on two fronts, the PC coming back, and then also, of course, the cloud, as we were talking about in the prior segment, when you look at how Microsoft is doing as the number two player and gaining on AWS in the cloud market. So it's even more relevant. So Todd, after reporting and writing this story, 
did it scratch an itch for you to report more on cybersecurity? Oh boy. Or are you like, cause I know you invested a lot of time and effort into this piece and so I'm glad you wrote it for us. The way that I like to tell cybersecurity stories, because it's not one that I come to naturally. I have to really study and make sure I'm understanding it. To me, this is most interesting as a story about Charlie Bell and him coming in as a respected leader, a personality, somebody who has a lot of credibility and also a mandate from Satya Nadella to make a big change with a big new organization. And what a down-to-earth guy he is. People would see Charlie Bell walking to the Amazon campus from his home in a nearby neighborhood wearing essentially like a yellow safety jacket. You know, I'd rather look like an idiot than get hit by a car. (laughs) And (laughs) that kind of personality trait and how he'll bring that to a challenge like cybersecurity with more of a pragmatic approach, that to me is the more interesting aspect of a story like this. Well, great job. Great read. And with that... We will move next to toilet paper. Stick around for that coming up next on GeekWire. Welcome back. It's Todd Bishop with John Cook. John, we had an editorial meeting earlier this week where Kurt Schlosser, our colleague, gave a headline clinic, literally. And Kurt is someone who can give a headline clinic. He is our headline maestro, as I call him at GeekWire. So good. We had this great little workshop, this impromptu workshop, where we tried to figure out what headline he should put on the story about cloud paper. So let's get to the headline in a second. But first off, John, you know this story. Tell us about cloud paper and tell us about this funding that they had this week. Cutting to the chase. I mean, it's plain and simple. It's a new type of toilet paper that uses bamboo rather than other forested products. So it's an environmentally friendly toilet paper. Now, I've not used it. But uh, it's, you know, pretty pretty simple product. You know, it's not like we're talking about, uh, you know, cloud infrastructure here or something. (laughs) So as Kurt would say, it's it's tree-free toilet paper or tree-free TP. Which was part of the play on the headline. But we also should say they've they've drawn a lot of high-profile backers, uh, Gwyneth Paltrow, Russell Wilson and Sierra, uh, Mark Cuban, Jeff Bezos, gosh, who, uh, Robert, Jeff Bezos, Robert Downey Jr., so Mark Benioff. Mark Benioff. They've got a, they've got a, a high profile group of investors uh, behind this, and the company raised five million this week, and seems like a just a great, interesting little startup that's emerging here from Seattle. But the fun part for us was writing the headline on a story like this. So before we get to that, though, I want to say we mentioned cloud paper in one of our year end wrap up podcasts. And the cloud paper people heard it and they reached out to me because I made the joke of, you know, we do a lot of GeekWire experience stories and here's one that we should do. We should review the toilet paper and then talk about it on the podcast. And I was like, we we never did it. Well, I, it was one of those that slipped through the cracks and I, they actually followed up and I never got back to, Oh, (laughs) pun intended there, Todd. I knew it had to be, it had, the the pun had to be coming at some point there. Oh, great. Rate, I love I'm that. I'm going to make a point after we get done recording this show of following up because I never did. I I was negligent and not following up. It's one of those where you see it and you're like, oh, I'm going to get back to that person and you never do. We're going to get like 36 rolls of, of cloud paper here at the GeekWire <laughs> doorstep. <laughs> All right. So coming soon, possibly we'll be unrolling that particular GeekWire experiment. How's that for a excellent vivid yes. one? So the headline. John, do you want to do the honors on the headline? I will. The, and we we had a lot of brainstorm. I think 
it was a group effort. The entire team came together and worked on this headline. It came out to be flush with cash. Bezos and big name celebs get behind tree free toilet paper startup with $5 million. And see, to me, I was struggling. I was not getting the get behind pun until somebody pointed it out to me. I'm just a little dense. Yeah. But if you had something, it just, you know, slipped through the crack, as you would have said. <laughs> All right. So we'll link to that story okay. from the show notes. And perhaps we'll have more on cloud paper on a future episode. Well, it's cool. I mean, one a bigger trend here is we are covering a lot of stories at GeekWire that I mean, I'd like to see entrepreneurial energy going into problems like climate change, environmental issues that we're dealing with. So, and it's part of a trend and we're covering that more closely. Lisa Stifler on our our team pays a lot of attention to to a lot of these startups and new innovations that are helping to uh, solve our climate change dilemma. And, And speaking of that, John, by the way, we've talked about this one in the past, but just recently I got to test Amazon's new frozen foods insulation based on tissue paper that came to my house. And I know you went nuts over this. It was really cool. It was really cool. I'll link to the video from the show notes on this episode. It was basically like 12 ply tissue paper that they use to wrap up the frozen food in and it keeps it cold and it replaces plastic and those sort of bubble bags that they would use with frozen water inside. So, you know, pretty cool. It is good to see companies start to use innovation to potentially help the planet. It does not seem to be happening at the scale that we need it to be happening, but at least we're on the right path as a society and an economy in terms of awareness. I will link from the show notes to everything we talked about. To see all of GeekWire's coverage of science, tech, business, and more, go to geekwire.com and sign up for our daily email newsletter to receive all of our headlines. Our podcast is produced and edited by Kurt Milton. Our theme music is by Daniel L.K. Caldwell. I'm GeekWire co-founder Todd Bishop. And I'm GeekWire co-founder John Cook. We'll talk to you next time on GeekWire.